But yeah, and, but here's the deal: like the whole row, even though we were Cardinals fans, and or we were, what I just say? What? What the hell? We were, hope you keep that in, Dolan. <laughs> keep that in. Right? That's horrible. <laughs> never ever use that. Inspired by the adventures of our nurses, therapists, and techs, a beer with Atlas is the only healthcare traveling craft beer drinking podcast. Each week, we'll open a few beers, talk about the brewery and the style of beer, and then dive into some research curated specifically for each episode. In the end, we hope each one sounds like a conversation you'd have with your friends while enjoying a few cold ones. Man, welcome to another episode of A Beer with Atlas. I'm Rich. I'm still at home. I'm Brian. <laughs> and I'm Dolan. <laughs> I'm super not excited about today's episode um, because uh, it, it's it's a beer from uh, from our friend Aaron Biddle in St. Louis. Uh, it's called Number Six Classic American Lager. Number Six was Stan Musial. He was uh, St. Louis Cardinal. Uh, it was the 100th birthday. Stan passed away a few years ago, but to celebrate the 100th birthday of Stan the Man, a company, a brewing, a beer, what am I trying to say? A brewery? A brewery, yeah, that's I one think. One of those things. We, yeah. never, we never talk about those things. A brewery in St. Louis called Urban Chestnut did a, uh, a special beer just for old number six, Stan Musial. And so, sadly, that's what we're going to talk about today is the St. Louis Cardinals and this beer so that's why you're not excited not the beer it's just the cardinals tie-in look i'm always excited to drink beer i hope i you know what i have a feeling i'm gonna like this i I have a feeling it's going to be good and that will make me sad inside because i just want this to taste like like bush stadium urine quite honestly Mm. and i want to hate it with every fiber of my being wow maybe it will maybe will i don't know but i want to be fair to urban chestnut yeah. Located at uh, 3229 Washington Ave in St. Louis. Um, I want to be fair to them. I want to, because they sound like a pretty good place. They sound like good dudes. And uh, maybe that's just a, you know, just a, it's just a product of who they are. And, you know, being in St. Louis there, and I guess you have to be a Cardinals fan if you live there. Um, can you tell Dolan what your shirt says? My shirt says, jorts and bad beer. That's what St. Louis does. Shots fired. Wow. There you go. I don't actually wear this in St. Louis. I think I get punched in the mouth. Um, <laughs> That's when you wear it in Chicago or I something? Wear it, absolutely. I wear it in Chicago, and I get all kinds of high fives and free beers. Like, that's right. Bam, high five. So, bad beer, not referring to Urban Chestnut here. Not at all. We're referring to... Uh, Those to, macro guys. Yeah, yeah. To the big boys. The one big boy there. Who isn't even owned in – I mean, they're owned overseas now, so – Yeah, the game has changed. It has. What the heck? I'm back to spilling beer again. Uh, see, you talk so much smack about it that uh, it got its revenge. I, uh, I did some research today, uh, and this is going to surprise no one. It's on Stan the Man, Stan Musial. So at the end of this, I have a feeling that you're going to change your tune, and you're going to love Stan Musial. <clears throat> I, I was going to save this until the end, uh, but I'll, I'll talk about it right now. 
My dad's favorite baseball player was Stan Musial. So yeah. he grew up a Cardinals fan. He was born in St. Louis. Wow. But he appreciated my love of baseball. Um, he appreciated uh, that, you know, that, that I was a Cubs fan that, you know, because of WGN and, and I have very fond memories of at the, at the end of his life when he was sick, uh, it was right around the same time. It was right at the same time, actually, of uh, the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run race. Yeah. And so one of the last, the last things that we talked about consistently talked about was who hit a home run yesterday Was Sammy ahead was McGuire ahead. Like, yeah. you know, that was, so in, in that, in that vein that it will, that will always be with me and, and, you know, having that tie back to the, the Cardinals. It's kind of crazy to think about how involved even non-baseball people were during that chase, that home run, you know, it was, right. it literally was news like water cooler topic every morning. Oh my gosh, yeah. he hit two and then he hit one. And yep. yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Well, um, Dolan, you got yeah. it. Are you ready? I've got it all poured. All right. I got, Ooh, nice, nice glassware. I have yeah, my excellent, excellent glassware. two. There you I'm go. Give it a sniff. It smells like a lager. Rich has got mm -hmm. his glass. It's a very clean looking golden color. Mm. Oh yeah. So the description on this says it's a classic American lager with a recipe that predates prohibition. Yeah, like uh, our local Lucky Bucket pre-prohibition lager, mm -hmm. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. mm, this, that's um, good. I, mm, nothing against Lucky Bucket, but I think this is a better pre-prohibition lager. No, I've had my share of that before, and this is clean, man. This is this is pretty tasty. Tastes yeah. like beer that was made when Stan was playing. Yeah. You know, like that was your, that was beer. You weren't getting no mm -hmm. double IPA or pastry sour stout. Yeah. There's no like raspberries that. in this. Yeah, or, no, you know, there's this, this is, grain in this water. Beer's beer. That's right. What kind yeah. of beer you want? Beer flavored beer. Give me a beer <laughs> and that's what you got. You got any uh, information on the brewery there, Rich? Mm -hmm. I certainly do. So I, this is interesting. And I had to, I, I can't give a double take, right? A whole Brian, Brian, um, oh, yeah. One of those double takes right those there are, for those, those of you watching fun. on the YouTubes. Um, three locations The Grove, these are all in St. Louis. The Grove, Midtown, Biergarten. So very oh, German looking, yeah. right? Biergarten. And then, Brian, you love this the URB Pizza and Beer location. So Ooh, pizza by the slice with your beers. Yum. Uh, sounds like somewhere we need to go. I could do a, a slice and a beer like each time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I could, I could really put a hurt on that place. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then they have a fourth location called Hallerto Browery. Yeah. Okay. B-R-A-U-E-R-E-I. Brewery. Yeah. There we go. In Germany, near the brewmaster's home. That's so they're brewing beer in, in the homeland. So the brewmaster of the brewery lives in Germany? He lived in Germany. Oh, he's from there. Okay. From there. And so then they have a, a, uh, uh, a location there in Germany. 
I feel like Hallertow is the name of a hop too, or something like that. Is it? It is. It's a fun one to say. I like that one. Okay. I thought so. I, th- I knew that sounded familiar. I almost wonder if it's like a region or something. I didn't do any research on that, but it's like it's a region yeah. of Germany or it's like, you know, that's why they call those hops that come from there that. Yeah, I would guess so. Uh, Urban Chestnut is a, this came right from their website, an unconventional minded yet traditional oriented brewer of craft beer with authentic heritage and proven quality. So and they say they're pretty, you know, they say they're pretty good. I like the unconventional yet traditional. You would think those two things. Yeah, don't combine. No, somehow they do though. Yeah. We like to call our unique brewing philosophy beer divergence. So old world meets new world brewing. New world meets old world brewing. Yeah, new new techniques, old recipes maybe, or sure. old styles in a new way. I don't know. It's yep. kind of fun. Uh, one of the things that they're super proud of, and this is we've seen this with a few other breweries, uh, our friends in D.C. at Atlas Brew Works are you know a big solar powered brewery, and we've seen some here in in Omaha that you know use their spent grain to feed cattle and that type of thing. These guys are all in with uh, with the environment and supporting local nonprofits, uh, water conservation, recycling, composting, spent grain, solar power. Uh, in 2015, they became LEED certified. They were the first lead certified brewery in Missouri. And I didn't know anything about this until uh, our friends at Ameritrade down the street here become, became lead certified. So there's all of the, it's a pretty strict kind of set of rules, you know, saying that everything you do there is, is uh, environmentally friendly from, you know, collecting, they have uh, on the top of their building, they have the big water collection. When it rains, they collect the water and that's what they use and all like the urinals and the toilets and stuff like that. They reuse all that water. Um, there's a lot of natural lighting instead of, instead of, you know, lights like this, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, tube lights or, or LEDs or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, they became, they were the first lead certified brewery in Missouri and one of only a handful to be certified in the country. So I got to think that's expensive. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it was at least probably, at the beginning. It was get, probably way more expensive five years ago than it is now. Yeah. It's, it's expensive to, to get lead certified, but after, I guess it saves you money in the long run. I don't know. But it's better for the planet. I mean, that's the best. I mean, that's, you know, the main reason, right? I guess, Dolan. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, 2017, so three years ago, they were named one of the EPA's 16 national waste-wide waste wise waste wise waste award waste wise yeah award winners waste wise award winner that's a fun that is that's a fun little phrase uh for sustainability efforts earning a small business partner of the year so not only in their own community uh have they been recognized but then they've been recognized there through throughout the uh throughout the country so uh not only are they trying to do things their way and and you know using old world methods and new world techniques and, and all that, but they're trying to save the environment as well. So make beer, save the environment, eat some pizza. That's I get pretty on board. good. Yeah. Pretty I, good combo. I can do all that stuff. Well, it'd be nice and be easier. You know, it's the easiest way right. to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. Dolan's, Dolan's holding his glass up here. Dolan, what do you think? Because I think we've, um, this is, this is as traditional, I think, as you could possibly get from a, from a lager, is this what you think of when, when you think of a lager? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great. I mean, it, I would 
crush these <laughs> at a baseball game anytime. Um, oh yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Like what's the term that you use? You guys always say crushable. Crushable. Yes. Yeah. This is crushable. This is great mm-hmm. for barbecuing. This is great for baseball, any sport really. Uh, this is great for, for just on the couch, relax. This is great for anything really. I'm looking, uh, I'm looking up. I want to. I don't want to see the untapped rating yet, but I do want to see the ABVs because I'm going to guess this is somewhere in the four and a halves. Yeah, maybe? I bet. I bet. Yeah, I bet it probably. tops out at five. That's my guess. Okay. Oh, I'm in the four and a halves. Four point five. Nice. Nice. Yep. So, I mean, you're looking at a. You're looking at slightly. You're looking at a Budweiser, right? Yeah. Better tasting. Well, probably a Bud Light. I think Budweiser is like five four. So yeah. Almost a light lager. There you go. Um, I guess I'll start off at the unexpected place. Okay. Chestnuts. Mm. Urban Chestnut Brewery. Yeah. Like, what the hell is a chestnut? I know about them. (laughs) I've heard the name. Um, If you know me at all, you'll know I'm a Christmas music aficionado. And there's a Christmas song where that's in the first line of the song. So that's what instantly came to my mind. Uh, but I wanted to do a little bit of research about chestnuts because it's just not something, I mean, you hear about them, but I, I didn't really know anything about what it was. And uh, that's where we're going to go first. So a chestnut is in the, tr- in the beech tree family, and it is in the type of tree where the leaves fall at the end of, of the year. Um, some trees keep their leaves all the time, and this family uh, loses leaves, and then the nuts come out of the tree as well. Um, usually you peel them and you can just eat them straight up, but they're, uh, what they say is astringent. So a little bit bitter and not, not the best, just peeled right out of the shell. Um, so the best way to really prepare these is to roast them. And that's what you'll hear of. Oh, that's in the Christmas song, uh, chestnuts roasting on the open fire. Um, I tried to figure out how that would happen. And basically what you do, you take a big knife and you just kind of chop a line into it and then you can just throw them straight into a fire or on a, in a pan over heat um, because if you don't open that shell they will explode basically what's inside will just get so hot it will just blow up the shell so you have to score it to make room for you know like steam or whatever to come out of there so it doesn't explode in your face or your, your kitchen or your campfire wherever you're at um when you're done cooking and when they're roasted, it says they have a similar texture to a baked potato. So kind of flaky, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, uh, not lumpy, but just like connected together. Like it can, if that makes sense, I'm trying, I haven't had a baked potato in a while, but. <laughs> have you ever had the boiled peanuts? No, I wish I would. <sighs> that's kind that's of like what... a Southern thing. Yeah, and I've had it, and it's weird. Like, if you've never had boiled peanuts before, yeah. it's strange. And so I'm wondering if that's if the texture is the same. Is, is, it, uh, is it like a bean? Like, I would assume that if you boiled a peanut, it'd be like a bean, like a kidney bean. Um, it's in, like, hot oil, right, Rich? Yeah, oh. yeah. So they're, like, crispy. Like, the shell is real crunchy, right? Well, I've had – okay, so I've had it that way. I've also had it just like, just like they throw them in water, right? They just boil them in water. Mm. And so then the, the shell's super soft and you pop them open and the peanut itself is like mu- mushy kind of, oh, kind of like textury, yeah. thicker mush. Huh. 
don't know. Doesn't it make a mess? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I wonder what's the point. I don't know. I don't get it. Does it taste that much different? I mean, is it, is it just a texture thing? No, no. I mean, the texture is definitely different, but it definitely does. It it, it tastes like you're eating peanuts, but your, your brain isn't processing like all these are peanuts because the it's mushy. Like Like halfway to peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hot. Like they're Mm -hmm. hot. Hmm. Interesting. I'd, I'd like to try it. I know one of the things uh, I saw at the beginning of the COVID stuff mm-hmm. was like how, how people were going to get their roasted peanuts like down South. Like, cause that's like a big snack thing that like you can get them in like shops and stands and gas yeah, stations mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So there was like, people were kind of freaking out about how am I going to get my roasted peanuts and like my, my boiled nuts. I was like, okay, I get me on. Weird. Everybody's got their thing. I know that, uh, and I've done this before, some peanuts in a Coke is great. That, yes. Really? That's great. Oh, that's yeah. A, that's a thing, too. It's a southern thing, isn't huh. it? Yeah, that's a southern thing, too. And you just throw the whole shell, peanut, and everything in there, just yep. right in the bottom of your glass or your can or bottle. Oh, yeah. Let them sit there for a couple minutes. Super good. Do you pull them out and then peel them and then eat them? Or? You can eat it at the end if you want to, sure. But it's mostly mm-hmm. just a flavor enhancer, and it really oh, okay. gets noticeable. You get a little salt, and you get uh, that roasted nutty kind of aroma, and it actually does do something, which is kind of weird and, and good. Mm-hmm. So if you have a huh. chance, try it sometime. Um, chestnuts kind of look like what you would think of as a buckeye like an Ohio state Buckeye, mm-hmm. like that sort of nut. That's kind of what a chestnut looks like. It's a little bit smaller. Um, in America, they are smaller in Europe. They have different kind of tree and the, the nut itself is bigger. Um, the big way that these are consumed, I guess I would say is in candied versions, especially in Europe. So places like France, um, Spain, there was another, I think down in South America also has a thing, but basically what they'll do is they will, pick up the nut at in the fall and then they let them dry out all the way until the next summertime so they're sitting there let's say six months and then in the summer then they shell them do all that stuff roast them up and then they put uh, like sugar or candied substance in with them and then that sits for four or five months until about christmas time and then that's when you eat them so it's like a year and a half process but they're traditionally known as like a Christmas treat. So old 1800s books, stories, songs, some of the Christmas songs that are written that have it in there. It's, that's why it's up around that time is because that's when you would traditionally eat it. Uh, sometimes you would even see them on a fruitcake back in the day. So that's one of the, one of the things that you may, might see in an old like Victorian era uh, recipe for a fruitcake or something. It's chestnuts. They're huge in France. They kind of showed up around the 16th century. Uh, as something that people would eat because for a long time they were just fed to like hogs and cattle in France and England and stuff. Um, And then in the 1800s, it really kicked off into England too. And then it moved over into the United States as well. So it's kind of been around for a long time, but it's not something that you can just, I don't think go to the store and be like, Hey, give me a half a pound of chestnuts. I haven't seen that. Um, during Christmas, I've seen that maybe because oh. they come in like the the kind of kind of fishnet looking bag. Hmm. Maybe, maybe. I, maybe I'm making that up. I don't know. I don't. Maybe I at a place like Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or yeah, oh, probably a fancy spot. Hmm. Not not where I get my groceries at the Walmart. 
<laughs> yeah, they might not have them there, but maybe, who knows? Um, actual, I was talking earlier about animals that how they fed them. This was like a food source for cattle, basically, in Asia and in Europe. Um, some of our American friends, uh, animal friends, like to eat them too. So they're a big food source for blue jays. They'll crack those open and eat those. Um, pigeons, um, wild boars down south, like wild pigs will eat these. Um, deer and squirrels. So your neighborhood animals, if they can get to these, they would like to eat them. Um, the wood itself uh, from the tree is very hard and it's very similar to oak. So a lot of furniture and things like that was made in the late 1700s, 1800s out of this wood because it was um, pretty impervious to weather elements. So it was really good to build your outside of your house with or any sort of furniture, things like that. Uh, it holds up to water pretty well. Uh, and then it's a little bit lighter in color than oak. That's kind of how you can tell the difference. Something that's made out of oak versus this. Um, and then I just picked out a few different places in quote unquote pop culture, old pop culture where chestnuts are brought up. Um, it's in 1984 book, George Orwell. Mm. I think the pigs are always trying to eat chestnuts or they're talking about chestnuts. It's in the Christmas song, uh, specifically, if you check out Nat King Cole's version, he has probably one of the best versions of that song. It's the very first line. Um, it's in Macbeth, the Shakespeare play. And then Dr. Evil and Austin Powers even brings him up, talking about how, yes, that one, uh, how his dad was just kind of a weird dad. And he, quote, accused chestnuts of being lazy, unquote. <laughs> What does that even mean? I don't know. It was just, yeah, when he was talking about how he just never got any love from his dad. And that was one of the, one of the reasons, one of the explanations for that. Hmm. So that's what I know about chestnuts. So our, for our Budweiser drinking fans uh, out there, hopefully there's none of you, uh, the, the Beechwood should sound familiar, right? Beechwood aging. Yeah. It's expensive. If you go to the Budweiser, if you do the tour, which I've done three-ish times, I believe, when, every time we've gone, we, we take some travelers out and we go do the Budweiser tour because it's fun. It's history. There's a ton of history there, especially around Prohibition and, and that type of thing. But then you get to go, you're in, it's probably stop, probably stop three where all the holding tanks are and it is, it's enormous. And they have Beechwood out there. And so... You can smell it and feel it, and it, mm. you can you can definitely tell it's a harder kind of wood. And are they? Is it just like sh like shards of it, or like shredded pieces of wood, or how does that? Real thin, kind of like almost planks, but it's just like like just like roughly chopped. Okay, that type of thing. And then there's like you know there's little chunks or whatever that break off. But yeah, they're probably I don't know and maybe three quarters of an inch maybe yeah in in like a little plank ish looking it's kind of cool they still do that yeah you know what i mean yeah. it's like they wouldn't probably technically have to do that they could probably get like some sort of extract that would taste like that well and quite honestly when you if you ever did the tour uh we only saw like three people like physical like actual people working Dang. in like, you know, everything else was computerized. Everything oh, else sure. was, when you went to the, you know, when you went to the brew tanks or whatever, there was one dude like on an iPad, like walking through, making sure. Yeah. And there was, there were monitors. There was like computer screens on every one of them. 
the bottling line is unbelievable. The only, there are two dudes like sweeping the floor. Like yeah. if a bottle were to escape and smash and whatever, then they go sweep it up or whatever. Like it, it was, it was crazy. Even the machine that folded, there was a, like the flat boxes would come through and it'd go burp, 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 and it would fold the boxes and then it would load up the Dang. boxes. And Sounds like a boring place to work. It, you know, but you got to drink beer while you were there. So well, yeah. Yeah. That's well, the other thing about the like the local brewery. Like the head brewer is probably putting bottles in a six pack holder at the end of that little tiny line. You know what I mean? Like you're doing all the jobs. Yep. Probably not other than the science part. You're not using a computer probably too much, but yeah. Yeah. You know, you're using the microscope and doing the, you know, making sure your yeast strains are good still and sure and all that business. But yeah, you're right. You're probably he's probably He's, he's probably loading up the, you know, the, the four packs of these or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's four packs, you know. Yep, putting so. them on the rings and all that stuff, yeah. Exactly. Well, speaking of rings, let's uh. talk about Stan the Man. <sighs> this is the part where I will prove to you if this player was on your team, Rich, you'd probably have his number tattooed on your body. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he's, he is, you'll see how he's probably one of the most, if not the most underrated great baseball player that's ever played the game listen i know i get it next to like ted williams dude was probably one of the best hitters in, of, of all time in baseball yeah right i i completely understand doesn't make me like the team anymore mm. all right well i'm gonna get into some of his actual creds his his stat stuff i didn't go too nerdy i didn't want to lose dolan uh, or anybody that's not into baseball like like we are because this would have been very easy to nerd out. So I, I pumped the brakes. And then I just have some life stuff about him that I thought was really cool. Uh, one of my favorite things when I was a kid to read about was like old baseball players. Read a lot of biographies and stuff. I don't know why. I just, I just did. So um, I pulled out some of the information that I thought was interesting that we can kind of talk about. And really humanize this dude so that you'll love him. Um, this is all for you, Rich. So, um, he lived to be 92 years old, and he passed away from complications with Alzheimer's. He was married for 72 years. Wow. That's a long time. Wow. So that means he got married at like 19 or 20 years old. 20 years old, yeah. You know, in the minor leagues. Got married, and then all the way up until the 2000s, he was married. Um, he played in 1941. That was the first time he came up to the big leagues. He was originally a pitcher. And not un unlike Rick Ankeel, he didn't have any control. He couldn't throw. He couldn't get over the mound. So they said, why don't you try outfield? And he's like, okay, I'll try it. Makes it to the big squad, 1941. Plays in there from 1941 to 1944. Um, he wins two World Series during that time, 41 and 44, I believe. Uh, and then in 1945, like a lot of baseball players did, he enlisted in the military during World War II. And he joined the Navy and he was somebody that brought out ships or like little tugboats kind of um, in Pearl Harbor. So when other ships would come in, he would go get supplies and stuff and bring it back to the mainland. And then after um, that for a while, then he was um, put in Philadelphia, like some shipyard place where they were building boats or something. Hmm. And he was in the, in the Navy for about a year. And then he came back. Uh, in 1946, and he played all the way through 1963. So that's a pretty long career, especially a long, long career. in the National League. There's no DH. 
Mm-hmm. So he's playing. He has to play every day. Yep. He doesn't just get to sit on the bench. Uh, his career numbers, these are crazy for me. So his batting average for his whole career is 331. That's pretty good. That's unbelievable. I mean, you're talking he's in his mid-40s when he retires. Um, he had, at the time, the National League record for hits when he retired. He had 3,630. This is one of those Jason Stark story pieces where they're like the weird things about baseball. He had the same number of hits on the road as he did at home. So 18-15 at home and 18-15 on the road. Isn't that crazy? That's unbelievable. Like you almost have to be like, oh, I got it? Okay, I quit today. I would never have believed that. If that were like a trivia question, yeah. I would have said absolutely not. Well, now it is. So next time you're at the bar talking about old Stan, you'll know that. Which we uh, never, but okay. Well, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Oh, maybe if I'm in St. Louis. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, 1,951 RBIs, 725 doubles, 475 home runs. He was a seven-time batting champion, which is pretty good. Um, 24 All-Star games, which is the all-time record tied with? Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron and? Give me a second. Um, Ted Williams. Willie Mays. Oh, gosh darn it. Okay. Willie Mays. Okay. That's a long, that's a long time. I think that's he a won. Great, by the way, that is a fantastic uh, uh, little uh, group to be in, by the way. That's, yeah. That's a good that's, club. His last one. I think he ended up the the last year he played, he started out the season at like 213 batting average, and he got it up to 288 at the time of the voting, and then he got voted in, and that was his last year, so he made it. But hmm. um, I think the lowest RBI total for his like in a season was 71, and that was towards the end of his life. Wow. Um, okay, so for the non-baseball nerds, what, yes, when you say batting average and you say, you know those uh-huh. numbers what what is that <laughs> so batting average is like the percentage of the time you get up you get a hit so you get to get on base or you you know hit a home run okay so a good batting average is 250 so one out of every four times you get a hit if you get one hit a game you usually get four at bats a game usually and if you can get one hit out of those four that's a 250 batting average that's pretty good so a 300 average is even better and 331 is like one third of the time this guy was getting a hit. That's why he has the record for hits as a gotcha. player until Pete Rose beat it because he was getting a hit every three times, basically. Gotcha. And so pretty unprecedented. Most yeah. of the players nowadays, hardly anybody even gets to 300 now. So gotcha. yeah, you'll hear that out there like, okay, so if, if you bat 300, you're a Hall of Famer. So if you get a hit three out of 10 times, 10 times, three out of 10 times at the plate, you get a hit, then you're a Hall of Famer in baseball. Like, that's how difficult. Yeah. That's what they say. It's interesting because most of the time you fail. And then if you mm-hmm. get, if you are 30% successful, that's good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. So that yep. just shows wow. how, how tough hitting is. And then for this guy to do it for 25 years, basically, yeah. is crazy. There's been thousands and thousands and thousands of players since this time. And he's still up there with one of the best. And that's 70 years ago. Wow. So I think he won three or four um, World Series MVPs. Um, I wrote down, that's all I'll talk about for his baseball stuff. Because everything, it's pretty self-explanatory on that. But then I picked out some of the interesting like life facts for him. Um, 1946, he 
won the MVP right after he came back from World War II. So he just jumped out of the Navy and then was the best baseball player. So that's pretty cool. Um, in 1956, kind of towards the end of his career, but not, not quite. He still had a few years left. Um, the manager, who at the time, they didn't really have GMs like we do now. So the manager of the team was working on maybe trading him. And the owner, who was Gussie Bush, or Bush, B-U-S-C-H, um, heard about it. And he was like, this guy is not available. No, no trade clause. Bloom. You'll never trade Stan Musial from the Cardinals. So he overrode the manager. And then I think the manager maybe left after that year because he, that was like, oh, whoops, can't do that. So I'm out of here. Um, president Kennedy, well, before he was president, um, Senator Kennedy uh, came up to Stan and said, hey, man, uh, I would really like it. It would be really helpful to me if you would, uh, you know, back me a little bit and like give me a little, little pub. Because, you know, Stan Musial at that time, early 60s to mid 60s, uh, influential person, especially in the Midwest. Uh, and having him support you publicly was a big deal. And one, that's one of the things that they say helped um, gather support in the Midwest for Kennedy, uh, which was not really a Republican area or Democratic area, I should say, it was more Republican at that time. Um, he was President Lyndon Johnson. So we're talking in the 60s after he retired. He was Lyndon Johnson's, uh, what did I write down? Physical fitness advisor. So he basically was like showing the president and the America as a country, like why physical fitness was important. And the reason that was important to him was one of the seasons he had towards the end of his career. Um, he was doing real bad. He was out of shape. He had a clause in his contract where he could basically show up to the end of spring training. You know, he's like, Hey, I'm 41. Uh, whatever I've carried this team, I'm just going to show up when I want to. And that didn't work out. He wasn't in shape and he realized it. And then by the end of the season, he was in shape. He'd lost like 20 pounds and his numbers were normal. So he realized the importance of being physically fit and uh, got this like honorary position, I guess. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a job that he went to all the time, but he'd just go around and talk about why physical fitness was important in the 60s. So uh, he could have showed up probably to your school if you were in St. Louis or uh, he was from Pennsylvania. So maybe in that area too, he would have come and talked to you about why you should, you know, try in gym class. Um, he was known for his harmonica playing. This was something interesting. I did not know. He recorded 18 songs and you could get those along with a harmonica and a book on how to learn those songs. So then you would teach yourself how to play harmonica. And he said, it's because uh, you know, as a minor leaguer riding the bus or even in the major leagues, you're riding a bus back then had a lot of time. And that was just something that he could do on his own. And he picked it up and he actually was pretty good at it. So he recorded songs with uh, some famous people backing uh, instrumentation stuff. Um, but he always played it. He played it. He played the uh, national anthem a few times at baseball games with the harmonica. Uh, so he was kind of like known for that, which is, I don't know. That, that seems like you'd get beat up nowadays if you're an athlete yeah. and harmonica player. I'm just thinking like, like, I don't even know, Bryce Harper shows up with his uh, I, I don't, slide I don't even, whistle or kazoo or, yeah. Ukulele or whatever. Yeah. He's like, I want to play the national anthem before I go play nine innings or whatever. Yep. Like, that's weird. But that's, that's what he did. Uh, he also had a bunch of restaurants. He had some friends uh, that were in the industry, and he opened up a bunch of restaurants. And those were around in St. Louis for like 25, 30 years. Um, it sounded like he got a lot of endorsements 
and he was really famous at that time. And if he was in business with you, then he was known to be like, you know, just the best business person and like your friend forever. Like he always had your back and stuff. Um, he learned about smoke, like how bad smoking was for you in the fifties and like denied any money from endorsements for smoking. Cause back then, I mean, that's what baseball cards were, was in these packs of cigarettes. Like when Babe Ruth came up, that's how you got baseball cards that were in tobacco cards, you know, and um, even before that, yeah, yeah. Pictures of, um, you know, even up into the fifties and sixties, you'll see in magazines and stuff like uh, Mickey man, all smoking a cigarette. And he's like, Hey, I love cool cigarette or whatever. You know what I mean? So uh, that was a big money maker. It was the, I think on, I love Lucy, they sponsored, like everything was tobacco sponsored. Mm-hmm. And he found out like, Oh, this is bad for me and could cause cancer. He quit smoking and uh, just wouldn't ever do any advertisements for them. Do you think, you think the Mick, smoke cools or do you think he was more like a marlboro man he was a lucky strikes mm, back in the day yeah. you're probably back right. in the day he was a lucky strikes yep um in 2007 he was awarded the navy's lone sailor award so that's for somebody that goes on and, and lives an exemplary life as a civilian so outside of the military he's still doing a lot for people in the community um and then in 2011, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Obama, which is the highest civilian honor you can get in this United States. Hmm. So not a whole lot of athletes have gotten that, um, but he is one of the ones that, that did. So that's what I've got for you about Stan Musial. It took every fiber of my being not to just say like, when you know the, the Presidential Medal, Medal of Freedom, uh, Ernie Banks got that too from the Cubs. I'm just saying, I don't know if we want to okay. look at Dolan yawning. He doesn't want to hear any more baseball. So. <laughs> well, but I don't is... want to be, I don't want to be that Cubs fan. Like, oh, Ernie Banks did it. <laughs> well, you just did. So I just but... did. Okay. You're right. Here's the, I, I get it. The dude was arguably like, if you made, if you made a top 10, like of hitters yeah. of all time, like he is in the top 10. I, I get it. Yeah, like that dude was, uh, he was unbelievable. So in the beginning of his career, it sounded like he was trying to hit a lot of home runs. At first, when he get, like after he got back from the Navy, he was trying to hit home runs and he wasn't doing it. So then they changed his batting stance and he just went back to being a hitter and not a, like trying to be a power hitter. And because mm-hmm. of that is he has like a really weird looking batting stance but it's also very recognizable as him. And you'll see it in baseball, like video games. I, I remember playing games that in, when I was a kid in like the early nineties that weren't sanctioned by the MLBA or whatever. So like you couldn't mm-hmm. have real baseball player names, but yep. you'd be like, Oh, that's Stan Musial's batting stance on that guy right there. Right. So just because of the way he, um, you know, tried to change his approach at the plate, his stance was weird. And it was like kind of one of a kind. There's a few of them out there in baseball, you know, who is the uh, – he's the manager for the Brewers right now. What was his name? Played for the uh, – Craig Council. Craig Council, yeah. Yeah. His was probably one of the weirdest. But then you yeah. look at, like, guys like Tony Gwynn. Remember Tony Gwynn's stance? Yep. Like, oh, yeah. That was not normal-ish yeah. either, right? Yeah, he had a weird one. I remember, like, Gary Sheffield had the bat that moved back and forth. Oh, he was always just, just going crazy with Mo, his bat. Remember Mo Vaughn? He had a crazy yeah. one um Cecil Fielder like there's you know all yep. the names but um this is the part where where Dolan can come alive uh I want to talk about other famous stands or mans 
So Stan is the name. Oh, or maybe. gotcha. So I got a, I got a little list. The man, right? Yeah. Yep. I got a little list of them, and then you just hit me with your thoughts on them. First one, Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah. I love to hate that guy. Can you can you hate him? Yeah, because I was I'm a Chiefs fan, and he he came over uh, to the Broncos, and they won a yeah. Super Bowl, and which hurt the most. My wife was a big Peyton Manning fanning, so she became a Broncos fan because he went to there. So I, there's actually a Broncos jersey in my closet right now in my house. Ooh, I hate it every time I walk by. Ooh. Yeah, yikes, not good. Mm. Uh, how about this one, Mannheim Steamroller from Omaha, the orchestra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're kind of like a new wave, not new wave. Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? New age. New, new age? Synth yeah, yeah. Band. Yeah. Which are, became famous now for Christmas music, but they were making albums all the way back in the 60s, old Chip Davis. And uh, has a Halloween album even, I think. How do you feel about the – he has a baseball album too, by the way. Oh, really? Um, how do you feel about the Mannheim Steamroller versus Trans-Siberian Orchestra? Oh, I'm Mannheim all day. Yeah, I am too. I, mean, I haven't listened to Mannheim enough to have an opinion about that. It's exactly what you want 1982 synthesizers to sound like. that's what they were using. Yes. The guy that is the head of it, Chip Davis, like was a – really a pioneer of synthesizer music mm-hmm. and uh a lot of that stuff is super dated but it's it sounds like that so if you're in the mood for some 80s like 84 christmas tunes on a synthesizer that no one you know could even lift that's where you're... <laughs> in my head like at least two of the dudes doing backup are playing guitars. oh it's it's so good i hope i hope that's in my head that's what's happening so i i am like um I would guess acquaintances with the drummer for Mannheim. So when they go out and tour, uh, this guy plays the drum. So every Christmas around right after Thanksgiving, he goes out on this big month, you know, six week tour and they play like shows or sometimes two shows a day all around. And uh, his dad used to have the gig, I think before he did, or he was like the conductor of the orchestra or something. Uh, But it's kind of fun to be connected uh, in Facebook land with him. Hmm. I get to see all these, have these cool pictures of like the band being set up in this old theater in like milwaukee or whatever it's just wow. kind of neat to see to see that from from his perspective um I, I wrote down another i had had a hard time with man so i just wrote um manny ramirez mm. another baseball yeah. player so my favorite thing about manny ramirez uh was when he cut off the cutoff throw you remember that Yes. Johnny Damon or throw it <laughs> in he grabbed it and fell down and threw it from his knees oh gosh that was yep. so good Man, he was great. He was when he went into pee in the wall. Yes, when he go, yeah, he had the 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 the. the, Don't they still call it the Manny door? I think it's yeah, I think so. It's still called that. Yeah. Um. Now let's get into some stands. Stan Lee, of course. Mm. First one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Mm. I mean that dude. His imagination is unbelievable, and his passion. Pretty cool, man. Like to be so excited about something for your whole life. You know, he, he, well, cool. and I don't want to get off on a weird tangent. You know how it all started, right? Like he was, he was working for uh, timely comics at the time, just and timely comics was doing, they were doing war comics and, 
you know, that just, just that type of thing, romance and stuff. And he went yeah, home. Because comics were like for adults back then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of. And he told his wife, he's like, I'm tired of this. I don't want to, I don't want to write this. I don't want to write romance stories. I'm tired. I'm tired of writing war stories. I want to, you know, I want to do what I want to do. And he was, he was young at the time. And his wife was like, just go do it then because you're young. And if you don't do it now, you're going to, you know, you're going to regret it. And what else? You go, you can always go write stories someplace else or do or, or whatever, just go do it. And so then he went and he wrote the fantastic four and he took it to the editors there. It, it was timely comics. Then it was called Atlas comics for a while. No joke. Oh yeah. It's actually called Atlas comics. I'm for behind you on the wall. Isn't yeah. It? You got some hanging right behind you. Yeah. And then it, he, he said, I can't do anything with, with Atlas, which is funny. I actually have that quote somewhere. I can't do anything with Atlas, but I can, I can do something with Marvel. So I want to call, I want to change it to Marvel comics and I want to write superheroes like Superman and you know, that type of thing. But I want to do it like real life. Like they, they're real people. And the editor's like, I don't give a shit what you do. You can do whatever you want. Sell books. <laughs> just just sell money. Books. Yeah. yeah, just make money or whatever. And that's how it, that him and Jack Kirby, that's, that's how it kind of all started. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, how about this one? I don't know if you'll be familiar with this or not. Maybe you will, Rich. Flat Stanley. Yes. Mm-hmm. Dolan, do you know about Flat Stanley? Uh, I'm Googling it right now. Flat mm-hmm. Stanley? Yeah. So it's, uh... like, it's like a piece of paper that's cut out like a guy. Mm-hmm. And I think, what do you mail it or send it to people? You have people take pictures with it? Is that the gist? The internet sensation, right? Yeah, yeah. Not a whole lot of stands out there. Mm-hmm. Um, how about this one? One of my favorites. Stuttering Stanley, Stuttering Stanley. Mm. Yeah, right? Yep. I remember I like that. that movie. Yep. And then lastly, as Dolan's researching flat Stanley, uh, <laughs> my favorite Stan Stan, Dorothy's ex-husband from the Golden Girls. He was the butt of all the jokes when he was on the episode. And uh, he always had a really bad toupee. And he was real cheap. And he was always, he was like a scummy landlord. What do you call those? Uh, A slumlord. A slumlord. Yeah. He was a slumlord. And he was always trying to get back with Dorothy. And, oh, God, he was so great. That's, That's my favorite Stan. Was he great, like in a uh, Mr. Furley kind of way, or? Well, Mr. Furley was dumb, but so was this Stan, I guess. Okay, okay. But this Stan was like a slime ball. Uh, he was like actively trying to screw people over, and he always had hot. Back in the eighties, you'd call them bimbos. Yeah, that's not a term we use anymore. So much, but back in the eighties on TV, you did. I think you could bring that term back. Actually, it's kind of a fun. I think so fun. too. The 80s it, were a long yeah. time ago, though, so don't yeah, they were close to being alive. But the Golden Girls lives on. <laughs> so that's that's what I've got for us today, fellers. Let's uh, let's get into this. What do you think about the beer? Well, I'm done. I, mine is almost done too. I, it would be done if I had, didn't talk so much. I'll tell you, it, it's exactly what. Like I told you what I didn't want it to be. I didn't want it to be delicious. I didn't yep. want it to be crisp and clean and mm-hmm. just completely crushable and it was all of those things just one of the better lagers i've had yeah it's super good it is just a good like dolan hit it on the head if if we were at a baseball game i would order i would order a hundred of these in st louis (laughs) and it's like 95 degrees oh gosh (laughs) i've been there like i've been there (laughs) that's terrible 
I, I, no matter how much I hate that team and I hate everything about them, Bush Stadium is beautiful. And yeah. the people of St. Louis have always, always been – okay, always. I get called a lot of names when I'm wearing my Cubs gear. Sure. I get it. That's what happens. Have always been welcoming and friendly and kind, and the business owners have been kind. We've, yeah. we've spent so much time in St. Louis, especially like over the past 10 years. And, and it, it, every time we go to a Cardinals game, Bush Stadium is one of the premier venues to see a baseball game. I, I, won't, I, I don't deny that whatsoever. They always say the fans are really knowledgeable about baseball. You know, they, like they know the, the little they're, rules and stuff. Yeah, they're stupid. I don't like them, but, <laughs> but that's true. That's well, you've never been stabbed. That's good, too. Right. Yeah. I've been called really bad names, like, like, sure. like homophobic names, like for whatever uh, reason. I don't know why great. they got to go there. But yeah. you know what? Who cares? It doesn't matter. We're having fun, and I'm spending money in their town, so it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Um, but, yeah, some of the best times I've ever had at a baseball game have been at Bush Stadium, Cubs-Cardinals games. Um, we sit on the, we sit on the visitor side. And so on the visitor side, the sun is the visitor side's third base side. And the sun is just right there the whole time. So you're just oh, baking. Yeah. And we baking in the sun, right? Not like right. in Colorado. Yeah, style. Not a Rockies right. game. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, but, and we have drank, there was one game where uh, me and Corey Anderson was there. Uh, Corey Anderson, Atlas uh, recruiter, was there with me. Took a couple travelers, and we sat there on the third baseline right by the dugout. Uh, the vendor that went up and down that section, we drank him out of Budweiser and Bud Light. We, uh, we had to drink Bud Light Lime at the end. Like, you were okay with that, probably. I was fine with that. Yeah. Corey was like, this is gross, but we drank like four more. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it was so hot. Like, yeah. And we got out of the game, we're like, look, I don't feel anything. Like it's, we sweated yeah. out. We were probably gross and sweaty and yeah. And you whatever. spent like a thousand dollars, but you know, whatever. But yeah. And, but here's the deal. Like the whole row, even though we were Cardinals fans and or we were, Whoa, what I just say? What What the hell? We were- hope you keep that in Dolan. Keep that in. Right. That's horrible. <laughs> never, ever use that. That's yeah, going to be in the, the end the of the header. year Christmas video. <laughs> Even though we were Cubs fans sitting with Cardinals fans, like we'd buy beers for them. They'd buy beers for us. Like it was, it was yeah. just, we just loved it. And we had fun. It was, it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful stadium in a, in a great part of town with some great local businesses. Um, one of the best uh, oyster bars I've ever been to is two blocks down the uh, if you go out the left nah, if you go out center field two blocks down it's called broadway oyster bar it is a dive of dives man yeah. and then right behind it there's a husker bar which is super weird yeah it is weird but yeah it is it is the diviest of diviest and they make some fantastic oysters and we drink a lot of beers there mm, that um, sounds fun i'm I, i'm ready to get out of my basement yeah i want to go somewhere we were supposed to go to St. Louis in May and watch a game and Dang. do the whole thing. And clearly that never happened. So yeah. only thing I'm watching right now is my neighbors picking up dog poop in her backyard <laughs> right now, literally right now. Bummer. You could boo him. I mean, that's fine. I mean, you could. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, cheer him on. Just <laughs> you got go, this. <laughs> go stand out there and drink the rest of this beer. As a Royals fan, how do you feel about, how do you feel about the Cardinals, Brian? Because I, uh, well, no. we cheated him out of a World Series. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Fine, but you know we still had to win Game Seven. 
yep. we did. So yep. that doesn't matter. I don't, that doesn't bother me. Thank you. Uh, Brett Hagen. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, he was dominant that year. Yeah, he was. Um, that was my, really my first baseball memory was that world series. So I have Cardinals uh, in my DNA, I guess. And it's what the I 70 series. Is that what they call it? I 70. Yep. And they play against each other. So it's kind of fun to have another rival, I guess, kind of national league rival. Yeah. Um, I've always, always liked the Cardinals uniforms. Um, they're classic and they haven't really changed. My father-in-law was a huge Bob Gibson fan when he was a kid. Uh, Cause Bob Gibson was from Omaha and uh, made it and was like just the best pitcher probably in the sixties and seventies. Like his ERA record was like one point, what six, nine or four, nine. This could very easily, easily be called Bob Gibson, right? I yeah. mean, that dude yeah. was unbelievable. I mean, they, they had to change the mound because of Bob Gibson, you know? Yeah. So like, I, it's kind of in my background periphery of Cardinal stuff, but I don't ever really root for him or anything. I'm, I was like you also a WGN kid and mm -hmm. I was more of a Sean Dunstan than an Ozzie Smith. Mm -hmm. You can't deny Ozzie Smith, man. Great wizard. Yeah. Great. And then some of those, some of those characters from the mid to early eighties, Willie McGee and Vince Coleman and yeah. like that. Andy oh. Vance like, I remember him playing there and I hated yeah. all of them. Yeah. So much, but you can't deny how good they were. Like yeah. they won for a reason. Jack were, Clark, they, remember him? Yeah. You, you understand? You know why? You know why pitchers talk with their gloves over their face to the catchers, right? Why? Jack Clark could read lips. Really? Yeah. So Greg Maddox, when oh. he was with the Braves, figured out that Jack Clark could read lips, and so he's the first one that started covering his mouth mm. when he would talk to his catcher. Now everybody does. And now everybody does because Jack Clark reads, could read lips. Uh, and now they just read you with a video camera and then they bang on a trash can. Mm. <laughs> I mean, by the way, we got some of that beer. Did you really? Oh, wow. Yes. We did. yes. Nice. Uh, one, of, one of our travelers out in New Jersey got us that beer. So in the next couple of weeks, we have the trash can banger. Nice. Beer coming. I can't. Maybe baseball will start by then. Maybe. Or they're going to cancel the whole season. Who knows? I hate that you would even say that. I'm, I'm scared. I'm just reading between the lines. I know. I know. So, all right, let's check the untapped on this one. So I already kind of, I cheated. I looked already. Mm. See the uh, ABV. Only 661 check-ins, but this just came out back in May. Oh, wow. So this not fresh. Not yet. Not very many yet. I didn't see a, I didn't see a born on date. Wait a minute. Stay on the man. Three, four, 20. Wow. This was so one of the first that rolled off the line. Right. I like that. It March. says stay on the man on the bottom. That's cool. Stay on the man. Okay. So March, so this came out in March. Wow. Uh, okay. 661 check-ins. What do you say? Well, uh, I'm going to go with his batting average and it's going to be 3.31. <laughs> Um, three point seven. Whoa! Ah, Hall of Fame. Hmm. I'm actually I'm entering my uh my my comment right here. I hate the Cardinals, but I love this beer. That's classy. <laughs> but I love this beer. Save. Okay, so uh, hang on, I got to get to it. This is this is riveting. Uh, this is riveting. <laughs> riveting. Uh, gosh darn it! 
think fatty technology. fingers it, huh? Technology is failing me here. <laughs> Sheesh, come on. Why is why can't I get back to this? Here we go. Damn it. 3.71. Oh, Dolan. <laughs> so close. Close. 3.71. So, yep. Which, I, if he hit 3.71 in a series, in, in a season, I wouldn't be surprised. I yeah. bet you there was a – he probably hit 371 at least once or twice. Probably, probably to have that career average the way he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, next week uh, we will redeem ourselves and talk about a brewery in Chicago. This was by design, obviously. Spoilers, uh, I didn't get into any Cubs information. Mm, I did, though. Oh, God. <laughs> I did. Because, because uh, I did. Because uh, we did. Uh, but yeah, this was, this was a, I, like I said, I wanted to hate it. It's not urban chestnut did a hell of a job with this. This is, uh, this was a, this was a classic, classic American lager. It was good. Yeah. Super clean. Yeah. Yes, it was. So, all right, Brian, we're not going anywhere for a while. Let's have another beer. Thank you for listening to a beer with Atlas. Special thanks to our brand team for producing the show. Each episode of A Beer with Atlas is powered by Atlas Medstaff, an industry leader in travel healthcare staffing.